I have to formally and humbly apologize to Mr. Beast. <laughs> so here's the situation. All right, let's jump in. I have a bunch of topics here. Um, I got to start with an apology. I have to formally and humbly apologize to Mr. Beast. <laughs> so here's the situation. We've talked about it a little bit before. Uh, back when we did Camp MFM, we invited Mr. Beast. Um, and I should say invited, meaning uh, we invited ourselves to his house, uh, basically, in order to do it. We were like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. He's like, yeah, that'd be cool. But, you know, schedule's crazy. I, I'm interested, but, you know, not in L.A. because I'm in North Carolina. We're like, oh, coincidence. What town do you live in? That's where we're doing it. <laughs> and so we went out there, had a good time. One of the things that happened was I made them, the, I, we were touring Duke's uh, campus and we were on, on their basketball court and I made him a bet that I could, I could make a half court shot before he did for $10,000. Very we, stupid bet. He, he, he stood to gain nothing and you stood to gain everything. Well, he could gain $10,000 also. Oh, I didn't know that you had to pay him $10,000. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It was whoever made it first. Um, so, so put 10 grand up. He's like, I had learned this over the course of a few days. He's like me. He's a, he's a bit of a degenerate gambler. Like, uh, I think his company, they have like a separate bank account where it's like, yeah, beast, you could gamble this, but don't, don't touch the main stuff. Uh, and that's all money he already won from gambling. So they're like, look, that's your house money to play with. Petty cash, petty Petty cash. cash. Um, I think, although I think the petty cash was like seven figures if I was given correct. So anyways, bet him this amount, hit the shot, glorious moment. And then um, it's like, we're so busy. You know, we just go back to doing the camp. And it's like, yeah, cool. Uh, you know, I'll pay you. Um, and I was like, great. You'll pay me. That's what he does. And so he didn't right away. And so I was like, and everybody, all the other people on the trip were like, oh, that's always awesome. Awesome moment. Um, did he pay you? And I had to just be like, no, no, not yet. But he's, he's good for it, for sure. Right. He's good for it. And um, and so that became the running joke was like, no, no, he didn't pay yet. But but he will. And um, and I brought it up on the podcast because I, I talked about this on the on our end of your awards as like a highlight moment was saying, dude, I bet you I can make the shot in half court of Cameron Indoor Stadium, this hallowed co- you know, college basketball stadium and just having the balls to make that bet and then having the the the, the luck of hitting it um, was a high moment. And I said the low moment was following up like three weeks later and be like, hey, man, hey, hey, um, you got that. But yeah, no, no rush, but you got that money. I, yeah, I, this wasn't a fake bet. This was a real bet, bro. Like, you know, first said it in a joking way, like, oh, bitch, you better pay my money. Then three weeks later, like, hey, did you pay? And so then I was like, oh, man, low moment was being the like having to follow up and being like you know, basically begging for the cash. So did he, and pay? he was like, he was cool the whole time. He was just like, oh, yeah, my bad. I'll have my assistant pay. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Uh, cool. And so that jo- I said that joke on the podcast and then people have been referencing it like uh, like later, like people will, will, I don't know why listeners reference it. They tweet about it every once in a while. And so I guess he saw this tweet recently. And this is now like <laughs> many months, like six, six months, months after later. The event, yeah. And he was like, uh, somebody was somebody tweeted out this whole story, this whole thread. They go. You know, I, I realize why the Mr. Beast not paying you stories like didn't sit right with me. And it's because you, Sean, also stood me up. You said you wanted to invest in my thing and that we should talk. And then I followed up three times over email asking, be like, hey, you said you wanted to invest and like, let's talk. Let's talk. 
and you haven't replied to three of my emails and like you're ghosting me just like he's ghosted you. Um, not cool. And if you want to you know, make things right, you should take that call and you should invest in my company. And so he kind of put this out there as a, as a bit of a ballsy tweet thread. And um, Mr. B saw it and he, he DM me. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, I paid you like a while back. What do you mean? And I was like, what? Oh, and I went. Oh, and I checked. dude, you <laughs> so, I, so I had given him a Bitcoin, like a fresh Bitcoin wallet because he's like, I'll pay you in Bitcoin. And I was like, all right, no problem. And I'd given him a Bitcoin wallet and uh, I never checked this thing because like, you know, who checks like a random Bitcoin wallet you created? He paid me back in November. And so <laughs> for months, I've been like telling this joke about the like, hey, uh, you know, just I, I know you probably meant to do it, but you, you didn't do it yet. Just uh, when you get a chance. No, no rush. When you get a chance. just would love, Was he, love, You think love. he's pissed at you? No, I don't think I don't think he gives a shit uh, in the same way that I didn't actually give a shit. I just thought it was funny. Like uh, like um, the other thing we learned at, at that camp with, with from that guy, Hassan Minhaj, the 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 comedian he goes comedy is all about low status and i remember that and i took that i was like oh my comedy is usually trying to be cocky funny like somebody says something and i say how dude like you know like you were like you don't know about pop culture and i was like bro i am pop culture right like it's more cocky but actually what i learned from hassan was that low status is actually a more a a funnier more endearing way to, to to you know sort of win people over so telling this story about like yeah, then I had to follow up and it turned from this cool moment to this incredibly lame moment. That was a low, it's a, it's trying to do a low status comedy thing. But then I realized I'd been wrong the whole time. He, he paid me in November. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, whoops. <laughs> Damn, dude. That, that's a nice, that's a pretty big mess up. You're just disparaging this guy. Yeah, I was slandering the dude left and right. Just saying, uh, you know. At least I pay my debts, uh, right? Like you know, I was I was joking around like that, but uh, but incorrect. He paid. All right, and, well, uh, we have an end. Happy end, um, happy ending for all involved. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot, and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps' time with an AI powered help desk, so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secret's out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. Yeah, I, I was shocked that you were saying that on air, by the way. I what, chose, the, yeah, that he didn't pay. I was like, I'm, this is going to make well, a play to him. I didn't just say it. Randomly, people asked, they were like, did he pay? And then I'm like, oh, what am I going to say? Yes? No. If I didn't think he paid, I was going to say no. I wasn't just like proactively being, being like, by the way, call out. You know, that that's not how it was. I appreciate, you know who I... Sometimes, you know, it's just the people listening. It's just Sean and I basically in a Zoom right now. We're on a riverside. So just us talking. And it's very easy to forget that there's other people who will hear this. I find myself saying stuff all the time. You get real comfortable. You get very comfortable. And I admire Joe Rogan. I don't listen to a ton of Joe Rogan, but I do watch some of his clips. And he does a really good job of he rarely disrespects people. He'll say like, oh, they just have a difference of opinion. It's all good. Or he'll say, someone will bring up, hey, did you hear how this person was talking trash? And he'll just say, oh, you know, that's funny. That's funny. He does a really good job of not picking fights. And uh, I saw in your thing, on your list, you have this kind of fight that started. And it looks like I started it. I, and I don't want it to come off that way. But basically, um, on this pod, I try never to like pick fights. Or if I do pick a fight, it's like, I'm actually going to go to battle with this. And... You have this, uh, what's the guy's name? Stephen Bartlett thing on there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk you want to bring that. that up? 
Yeah, by the way, I, I actually want to say this. Uh, you're right that when it's me and you just talking like this and there's nobody else here, it's really easy to get comfortable. You forget, oh, cool, 150,000 people are listening, right? If I was in front of an audience, if I could see 150,000 people, there's no way I would feel as comfortable and as loose making jokes or or saying something or like I'll do this often. It's gotten me in a lot of trouble, actually. Yeah, you say shit. Will, it's bad. And I decided as long as I'll as long as I'm saying something that I actually think, um, I'm gonna carry on in that way because uh, I don't usually think negative things about people. Well, the way that I do it nowadays, and the pod actually taught me this, which was if I'm gonna talk negatively about someone behind their back, I better be ready to say it to their face. And so I work really hard to only say things privately that I'm okay saying to that person or even publicly sometimes. Uh, and that's the takeaway. I think it was, um, have you heard the story of like Abe Lincoln? Basically he like talked trash about some guy and they're like, I challenge you to a duel. And he's like, shit, I don't want to go to a duel. And so he, he's like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm afraid. I don't want to fight you. And then he's like, that's it. I'm never talking trash about people. And right. I remember reading that. And I'm like, that's a good sign. And talking trash is easy. I do it every once in a while just because I'm human. But if you're going to do it, you got to we got to be able to say it to their face. And so that's kind of my rule that I try to live by. But it's very hard to, to follow. But all right. You want to talk about the Bartlett thing? Yeah. yeah. OK, so um, you tee it up because I think you you tweeted it out. So what, what's on your mind? There's well, nothing. I was just curious. But basically, there's a guy named Stephen Bartlett. He's got a pod that's quite good. Uh, it's mostly a YouTube thing, I think. But uh, pretty good. He's interviews interesting people. Background is he had a company called Social Chain, which there's a long story about it that we've talked about before, where he basically owned, among other things, a bunch of Twitter handles, and he could help make a product popular or a TV show popular by sharing it amongst all the Twitter handles, whatever. It's an agency. It was relatively successful. It was definitely successful. He was like kind of a prodigy. It uh, ends up getting acquired. And the company that acquired it did like some type of reverse merger. It goes public at its peak, hundreds of millions of dollars. An article came out on Thursday. And by the way, this guy, Steven, he worked for Sean as an intern when he was 21 years old. And we've said fun stories about that. Uh, an article came out that said this thing was sold for $8 million, And I shared, I go, whoa, this thing was only sold for $8 million. I thought this was like a publicly traded company for hundreds of millions. I'm a little confused. What's the story here? And people got pissed. Not at me. They got pissed at him saying... Um, this guy's saying he's built up a $300 million company and they listed tons of evidence saying otherwise. And I didn't actually look into the evidence. I don't know the truth, but people were really angry at that. And uh, it was, it was, it was pretty wild to see. Yeah. I think the, so you, uh, I think you framed it well. There's basically two things going on here. One, as somebody gets really famous, the target on their back gets bigger. And so he's become more and more famous. He, uh, has a very big kind of social media presence. I think he's got like a million followers on Instagram or t Twitter or something like that. Um, LinkedIn, he's big as well. He's, he's on now, the Shark Tank of England. Yeah, he's on Dragon's Den, which is like Shark Tank in um, in Europe. So he's like well known there. He uh, wrote a book. He you know he's like doing things. He goes on. He has this podcast. He goes on these like tours, basically, where he like speaks in he's front a of guy. auditoriums. I call him the Black Gary V. Uh, he's like very much like Gary V. In my opinion. And in the same way that some people not Gary V of like, bro, you didn't build your, you know, you didn't build a business. Your that was your dad's business that you were just the marketing guy for. And he's like, well, actually, like the business was really small. And then I started Wine Library TV and it grew much bigger. 
you know, there's people who come out and say, oh, you're not as you represent yourself. And so when you see this headline that, oh, his agency sold for $7 million, you're like, bro, what? $7 million, Like, what? why are you representing yourself as much bigger than you are? And um, the explanation, I think, is kind of simple. So here's the explanation. His agency was called Social Chain. When they got acquired, they renamed the larger company, which didn't have as much of a public-facing brand, Social Chain Group. <laughs> and so... Social Chain Group was a bigger business that did many things, had many agencies underneath, um, had some, you know, had some other things. There's an e-commerce, there's a big e-commerce business that was with it. They sold, they had like a mattress company, basically. And most of the revenue, like, comes came from the e-commerce side, and a smaller slice of the revenue came from the agency size, and even a smaller slice came from his specific agency called Social Chain. I think when he sold, when, when Social Chain got acquired or whatever by the larger group, I think they were at roughly... 9 million a year in revenue, something like that. And that was maybe two years in. And it was like a great upstart story. It's a, it was like 20 employees all under the age of 25 doing this cool, disruptive social media, you know, marketing at the time. And uh, this is, you know, 2014, 2015. And then, you know, got acquired by this bigger thing. Those guys had an e-commerce business. And so naturally they're like, oh, great. This marketing agency is a good business to have. It'll help our businesses. Plus it brings in you know, rev- revenue alone from its uh, service business. Um, and I think where he went, so I think the the simple explanation is, yeah, his business got acquired. Um, the overall business did a bunch of revenue. His agency did not. Uh, but, you know, he was a key player in that overall group. I think he was co-CEO of the, gr- of the group. The group was, you know, one of four or five divisions. So he was kind of like a division head at, of uh, of a larger company. Okay, great. Where I think he went wrong is there's like a clip of him on Dragon's Den and the other guy's like, do you even know anything about business? And he goes, uh, know anything about business? I built a $300 million company by the age of 28. Um, and that's like the clip that the guy, you know, some people on Twitter are circulating being like, uh, okay, I didn't see you're that. full of shit, dude. You didn't build a $300 million business. There was a $300 million business that acquired your small agency. To that, I say, they are correct. He did get, yeah. I, I mean, to me, that's like a very, maybe it's just relatable because I've been in those situations where I kind of like, I feel insecure in a moment. And I can imagine being a young guy on TV and then the other investor says, what do you know about business? I could see your insecurity flaring up in a moment there and try to say, try to puff your chest out and say the biggest thing you can, even though it's not technically true. It'd be like when we got acquired by Twitch it's like, you know, I, and then I ran a division at Twitch. It'd be like me saying I ran, you know, I built or ran a $5 billion company, right? That would not be true. That would just be like, you know, um, puffing my chest out in a way that's misleading. So you I forgot think the that, ER, I was uh, a builder on a $3 billion <laughs> company. You were, you were a builder, right? I was a part of a company that, that was, the, I joined a company 13 years after it was founded. And, uh, you know, I was early, <laughs> so, but, but I've, I've felt that for example, I've, I, I feel silly about this now, which is that when we got acquired, the deal was set, the deal was a no, uh, was no, like no PR, like no, no disclosure of the terms. Um, but somehow it got leaked to TechCrunch And I think a couple others that we, we got acquired and, um, they put a price in there of 25 million. And the price was not $25 million. It was less than that. Um, but the answer's got to be no comment. But I, I was like, I, I could have corrected it. So I could have gone and said, 
No, it wasn't that. I didn't even have to say what it was. I could have just, in retrospect, I could have just said, it's lower than that, but I can't disclose. Instead, I just said, hey, I can't say anything about it. I, I'm, not, I'm not allowed to say anything. And Twitch also said that I'm not allowed to say anything. And so I just sat out there. And a bunch of people were like, wow, great exit, 25 million. And I'm like, yeah, that would have been a great exit. Uh, it's still good, but less good than that. So that's not the accurate number. And that's still just what sits out there today is that people think that that's what the number was. And it kind of benefited me, I remember, in some ways. And every time it benefited me, I felt guilty. And just like, it's also a weak move to like uh, take a representation that makes something you did seem greater than it actually was. Um, so I didn't like that. And But I can under, I can relate to this moment where you like, the ego part of you or the insecure part of you wants to feel like something is wants to say, no, I did a great thing. Um, so, you know, I, I, I understand where he's coming from in that, in that point of view, but I don't really see what the controversy is besides that. I think it's just like, is the dude more famous than what he did with his agency? Yeah, probably, but he's famous because he's amazing at creating content and he's a great, like he's, he's a great brand builder. He's built his own brand. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Um, How old is he? He's only 28, maybe. Yeah, he's like in his yeah, mid, mid to late 20s, something like that. So, I mean, I'd say you're doing all right, dude. Yeah, uh, he's, 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 pulled it, he's pulled it off. I think, I think the haters have a point. Yeah, he did overrepresent. He did overrepresent in some ways. Yes, that's true. Uh, every time he says, "I built a company worth hundreds of millions of dollars," it's not really true. Um, I, you know, and, I, he, and, I and also, he probably knows I, I, that. I, he's a very hateable guy. Not because I dislike him. I actually like his content, but I think he's hateable because he's young, he's good looking, he's successful, he's <laughs> pretty. Co- nah, I don't know, cocky, but like confident. I mean, you know, it's easy to hate people. Uh, so yeah, he's he's a, he's in some regards a very hateable guy. Yeah, when you have everything that people want. Uh, That's what I mean. Know, okay, you've got money, fame, looks, charisma, you know, whatever, body. Wait, what, what else is there? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's really missing anything. So, so yeah, there's, there's a natural visceral reaction some people have to that, which is like either A, it can't be all good. There's got to be something wrong and I'm going to find it. Or B, fuck that guy. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing him on my Instagram feed. What, um, what's this financial freedom thing that you wanted to talk about let me do let me do two okay so i want to uh i want to do this story about this uh this woman i met who i think has a really cool cool business so um a couple podcast episodes ago i said hey i got this idea for a d2c business it would be best run i think by a woman who's like got it because it's a it's a product for women um and it uses my 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 joke which is like uh, I don't know how to pitch it exactly. So I'm just, it's like a normal thing, but beautifully done. Like just imagine like, you know, pens, but just beautifully done. Right. Like, <laughs> and it's yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Like that's part of the shtick of this product. It's just like, it's well-packaged and well-made. 
uh, beautifully done. And so anyways, I got a bunch of inbound and I, I joked about it. I was like, oh, to our four female listeners, if you're out there, this could be an idea for you. Um, and a bunch of people replied, maybe 20, 30, 40 people said, hey, what's the idea? I want to hear about it. Uh, here's my background. And one woman had a really interesting background. So her name, I think is, what is it? Sarah Michelle? Something like that. Um, she started this business. I'll, I'll pull up her, her name. Yeah, Sarah Michelle. So she she built this business called NP Reviews. I'm guessing you've never heard of this, but no. here's why it's interesting. She basically built a course prep business and sold it for more than $10 million in two years. And I what? just think that's kind of a badass move to pull off. You don't hear of a lot of course-based businesses that sell at all. Uh, let alone sell for eight figures in two years. And what she did was basically she built like cap, like Kaplan, like the test prep thing for nurse practitioners. So and it's called, so um, it's NP called NP reviews, reviews as in nurse practitioner reviews. Pass your nurse practitioner exam the first time. Stop stressing and start studying smarter with our proven exam review courses. Awesome. Exactly. So she basically says, yo, you're in school to become a nurse practitioner. You have a the, the, the big test is coming up. It's like your version of MCATs or LSATs if you're a lawyer. Um, the nurse practitioners have that same thing. And it's like, great. Take, you know, work with us and you'll pass. They have a 99% pass rate amongst their students. So they're like, you know, don't worry. She's like, don't worry. I was in your shoes. Wow. This I is was awesome. stressed about this and I passed. And if I could pass, you could pass. I've helped so many people pass since then. Um, and what she does is it's basically a funnel where, She's got ads about this and content about uh, about you know this exam or or becoming a nurse practitioner, which leads you to this landing page which says, "Don't stress, we got you. Ninety nine percent pass rate. Um, we help you pass your upcoming exam." And then she funnels you to a Facebook group. So basically, it's like join the group of twenty five thousand other people who have passed this exam, and um, you join the Facebook group and you buy at one of the courses. So you can buy this like $300 a month one, $130 a month one, $100 a month one, whichever one you want um, that fits like whichever test you're planning to take. Built this thing up, sold it to a company called Blueprint that basically is rolling up these test prep things. And um, I just thought that's an amazing exit. And I'm, uh, I'm super impressed. And here's why it's awesome. If you go to the bottom right, it says powered by Kajabi. That's a $100 a month software, software. that... Yeah. Anyone can get. By they the have way, a thirty. 30- the president of Kajabi listens. He uh, messaged oh, me. Oh, I know. Yeah, he DM yeah. he DM'd me as well. So it's a hundred dollar a month software. They have like a thirty day trial, so you could even like not pay and just like get your <laughs> get get courses like spinning up and then making some money. So the website it it's fine looking, but it's not like you could make this without a designer. Uh, the copy is pretty solid. Very clear problem. Copy is very is awesome. good. Copy is very good. Like, yeah, for I, example, haven't, I haven't read it all, but it just, looks just decent. Look at the, like the, just the headline, just a quick copy thing. So put this up on the screen on YouTube. So go to mpreviews.com. Just want to point this out. So the headline says, pass your nurse practitioner's exam the first time. So what is it, it you know, leading with a, the outcome or the benefit you want versus talking about yourself. She could have said, we are a test prep, uh, you know, a six week test prep program with uh, live online classes and a community, blah, blah, blah. That's how most people pitch their products. They talk about themselves. She talked about the outcome. Then the second thing, stop stressing and stop st- start studying smarter with our proven ANCC and ANP exam review courses. Okay, great. Stop stressing. So it hits the emotional, like the emotional state you're in and tells you, you know, the emotion, the better emotional state you're going to be in. And then after that, she basically is like, I did it. You could do it. I've helped these 
500 people do it. Here's some testimonials from them. Here's some pictures of their faces. And they're holding up their like certificate that says I passed. And they're like, thank you, Sarah. You helped me pass my exam. And then she's like, the, the, there's there's like a founder letter. Psst, I've been in your shoes. Feeling anxiety as you prepare for your nurse practitioner boards? You're not alone. The stakes are high and these tests aren't easy. You need a review course, course to help you master this. I get it because I've been there. I remember how I felt studying for this. That's why after passing both of my exams, I decided to create a review thing to help others too. Uh, since these launched, I've, I've helped thousands of people, 98% pass rate. Uh, here's you know how it works, blah, blah, blah. Join our Facebook group and check it out. Um, just a really well done, really simple product, really simple idea. And I think this, by the way, this idea could be done with any like trade that has certif certification. So personal trainers get certified for their like health, uh, you know, stuff. And they take this, these programs that, uh, they have to get certifications for whether you're, uh, you know, dental hygienist, a speech therapist, there's ongoing An architect. It could be anything ongoing professional education and anything that there's a, you know, a, a, finishing school for so like med school nurse nursing school whatever cosmetology school whatever it is being the test prep for that and obviously she's not the biggest one like kaplan makes a few billion dollars they offer they offer prep for mcats and offer prep for nursing nursing school but you just carve out your niche and you're the more trusted face you're the more human brand and it's beautifully done our software is the worst have you heard of hubspot See, most CRMs are a cobbled together mess, but HubSpot is easy to adopt and actually looks gorgeous. I think I love our new CRM. Our software is the best. HubSpot, grow better. Dude, this is why I hate that question when people ask me, if you could start over again with nothing, what would you do? And I say, I would do the same thing. And they go, does that still work? And I would always say, of course it does. Now we have an example. Milk Road did the exact same thing within the last 12 months. And I have uh, another friend named Ben Tossel. Do you know Ben? Uh, he yep. um, He's doing had a company AI called Milk Road now. Yeah, he had a. Oh, that's what we're doing. We're calling it Milk Road now. It's the Milk Road of. Yeah. of like the hustle the, was sort of like the Milk Road for general business. <laughs> it just yeah. happened to precede yeah. it by five years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andre the Giant was just the Sam Parr of wrestling. Uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do now. I like that. <laughs> He's a big buff guy. He's pretty much the Sam Parr of wrestling. Um, <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, anyway, like. I say I would do the exact same thing. And now you're an example. You did the exact same thing. And then um, uh, now there's Ben. And Ben goes, well, I'm just following. <laughs> I, I heard, he goes, I heard in the pod that Sean said he just copied you. So I'm going to copy Sean copying you. And you know what? It's working. It's working. He's got this <laughs> AI newsletter and it's working. And there's a handful of businesses. There's a bunch of businesses where it's basically the same thing all the time, but a little bit different. And maybe not even better, just a little bit different or in a particular niche. This course business, this is another one of those where it's just the same thing. Her website is, I think it's only like eight or nine or 10 pages. She's got the webinar. She's got like the different offerings, the Facebook group. It's the same thing that you can do in any case. And in some cases, this could be a home run, I bet. You know, like um, I sold a little bit early, but Morning Brew is doing, I think they said 70 million in revenue. Industry Dive sold for $500 million. Those are all home runs. Um, same with the course business. I think there's a world where you could do the exact same thing. It could be quite huge, although $10 million is, is awesome. So that's why I think that whenever people ask that question, it's stupid or I hate it because you're just looking for an easy answer and you're looking for permission to not to do something because you want me to say it's outdated or doesn't work anymore. And my answer to that is no, 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 it works. It, it works. Don't ask permission. Just do it. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a better version of that question. 
Uh, that question is sort of like the question when somebody asked Elon Musk, they're like, and Elon, you're a great inspiration to many entrepreneurs out there. What words of advice do you have to somebody uh, to encourage them to start a business? And he goes, if you need words of encouragement to start a business, don't do it. <laughs> and that's how I feel about like, if you're really clueless about what ideas should I do? Um, first of all, this whole podcast has hundreds of ideas of and examples of ideas you could do. Um, don't overthink it. You could just do any of those. Secondly, you should have a running list of irritations and problems that you experience in your professional and personal life that you're like, God, if somebody made a way that made this better or made this easier or made this faster or made this cheaper, I would buy it. That's a great source of startup inspiration. If you're just like, I don't know, maybe Sam will tell me how to be a successful person. That's not what successful people do. Now, having said all that, I'm doing it again. I have a little example of this. Okay, so I've talked on here about my uh, my personal trainer. And my personal trainer uh, is uh, my buddy J.A. You, you've met him before. Awesome guy, has uh, become a great friend and has delivered a ton of value in my life. Um, as you know, I basically was not working out and was like, you know, on this steady climb of like, yo, I'm going to gain 15 pounds a year. <laughs> for what was like your, what was your, what was your peak weight? 250, 220? Not too, probably like 230 was, was okay, my peak weight. Um, and not like, oh, I'm bulking. <laughs> it wasn't muscle mass. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And, uh, and so anyways, I get in touch with Jay and I'm like, Hey, I want to make a change. Uh, he's like, awesome. How often are you working out right now? I'm like zero times a month. And he's like, cool. Okay. Let's, let's start there. And so he came over and took me from like zero to now working out five days a week, eating better, you know, seeing a bunch of, you know, great gains and results, getting stronger, fitter, healthier, more mobile, uh, all those things. I'm playing basketball again. My life has gotten a lot better. And so I'm like, dude, you helped me with this one area. I really wanted help in, in my life. Uh, how can I return the favor? Okay. I know I'm paying you, but, but how can I help you even beyond that? And so he's basically always wanted to have his own successful business. And he's like, he's like, I see what you do. Um, I think that's awesome. I want kind of the same. I'm thinking about e-commerce or this or that. He goes, I and, want that. I, I want, want that. that. <laughs> and I go, all right, dude, I got it for you. I have a idea that I think will work that I think will make, uh, it'll be successful, which is great because that's what we want. We don't want to fail. So the second thing is it will lead to a lifestyle that I think you enjoy. It's not a ton of like, Grunt work doesn't take a ton of capital up front. And so I'm basically, uh, check this out. I'm going to create, I'm helping him create a milk road for personal trainers. And so okay. basically it's going to be a newsletter that goes out every morning to other, like it could be fitness enthusiasts, but I think start, starting market is just other trainers. So train the trainers is the thing I keep saying. And uh, cause I'm like, dude, you are awesome with workouts. You're awesome with mindset stuff. You find all these interesting, like, I don't know, links to like, cool, like, oh, Andrew Huberman said this thing about the supplement and check this out, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, dude, I feel like if you just kind of published your daily, you know, your daily, what's, what's going on in your day to day as a trainer, um, that would just be an awesome email to receive if I was another trainer. So we created this format and we created this brand. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you the URL. Uh, yeah. So the URL, it, it, there's no sign up yet, but I just got the domain. Uh, it's, it's, so the, the email is called the daily pump. And so mydailypump.com is going to be the email. So go go register for this because I want feedback on it. Um, but I'm going to build this whole thing in public. So Milk Road, I didn't build in public. I was like, oh, this is a good idea. I'm going to sprint on this. And basically one year, built the thing up into the largest crypto newsletter in the world. 
uh, and sold it. And so, you know, had a, had an awesome outcome there. And now that I did that, I know how I would do this in like 10 other spaces. I don't really want to go do that because it feels like I'd be just doing, I'd be on the hamster wheel, just play, playing the same level of the video game, even though it's probably smart. I have the the knowledge now of how to do it. It'd be too boring. I don't want to do it. But this has a different like meaning, right? If I could help him build up this business, I think that will be, you know, like just helping my friend out with something that I know would really uh, be helpful to uh, be impactful to them. And so, uh, so that's what I want to do. And I'm going to share how we build this thing up, you know, sort of step-by-step. And my, it's been a really interesting process because he's not from the startup or business world. And so a lot of times at at the beginning, I was like, oh yeah, we should do this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, dope. Um, And then he wouldn't do it. And I'm like, I got frustrated. And I, I, this happens to me with a bunch of people who I'm like, dude, you, I meet somebody. They're like, oh, I want to improve my situation. I'm like, oh yeah, you just got to do this. Or I'd, I'd back you. If you could find something, I'll bring the capital. You do the work. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then three weeks later, I don't hear from them. And I used to think, oh, it's because they're lazy. And I actually realized it's not because they're lazy. They're not lazy people. In fact, usually the person I'm trying to help, they're working 10 times harder than me at their day job, right? One guy was a plumber. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, this, this guy's doing much harder work. It's not that he's lazy. It's that they're afraid and they're confused. So they're afraid to fail and they're afraid to look dumb if they do the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing to me. And they're also just confused. They don't know where to start. They just never started something like this from scratch. And for me and you, we've spent now 15 years doing this. It's very easy to think, oh, dude, I just spin up a landing page. I would set this up on Beehive and then I would go over here and I would do this. And then I would, I would not focus on that other stuff. And I wouldn't care about advertisers till I get to 20,000 subscribers. And like, I would scrape this email list. I would do this ad and I would, and they're like, dude, I don't, I've never run a Facebook ad. I've never done a landing page. I've never done any of this stuff. I don't want to talk about that stuff publicly. I, I kind of regret it a little bit because like you had this at Milk Road. I didn't, I had it a, a little bit as well where like people in South America or other countries were just like copying, copy, they would like translate it and then just send the email like 30 minutes later. And in one regard, it's flattering, but in another I'm like, um, and sometimes it's harmful, but other times it just pisses me off. Um, most of the time it just pisses me off. It's not harmful. But I don't, I've changed. Once we got audiences, I was like, I don't want to talk about this stuff. And so I get nervous about that. Now, I don't think you have, like, whether this thing succeeds or not, it doesn't impact you other than you want to help your friend. So I I understand why you. I think if I talk about it publicly, it's going to keep me invested in it. It's going to keep me engaged because I'm going to have to, like, keep reporting the story. And I also think it's easier for me to justify the time because this takes time for me to help. And I already had a pretty busy plate. But if I could say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm able content. to use this for stories as content that that then then I don't have to separately make other content. So that's my selfish justification. I also think uh, if somebody was going to copy this blueprint, I wouldn't do it in personal trainers. That's only because he is a personal trainer. There's 30 other niches where this would work better than for personal trainers. Um, and I think that because it's specific to him and it's, it actually fits his it's authentic and it fits his his actual like where he is a master. Like in the same way, I'm like, dude, well, I don't get it. Why don't you just blah, blah, blah. What I realized was he probably looks at me and says the same thing. He's like, dude, I told you to increase your protein intake and just eat these macros. You'll get the body you want in six months. But here I am at your house and there's a Chick-fil-A wrapper. What's going on here? Right? Like that's the equivalent, right? Like, or he'd be like, oh, you should wake up and do this morning cardio thing. Fasted, fasted cardio. It'll only take you 10 minutes. Sounds so easy. Sure enough, I, he shows up. I got some excuse as to why I didn't do it. That, I'm like, oh, I just forgot that like 
a beginner is always going to ha- go through these stages and I just got to stay patient with him the way he's been patient with me. Now I do those things when he says them much better than I did at the beginning. You got to uh, get this page know, up though. You got to get this page up by tomorrow. Or, I'm going to get yeah, it up tomorrow. before this, uh, before this thing is done. But the, the cool thing that I've been doing, by the way, is I've been posting, I've been texting him one thing every day. I'm like, yo, you got to just do, uh, I'm like the way you get like you give me a workout of the day. It's like sit down for it's like go to the gym for an hour and you're going to do this workout. And I just got to listen to you, follow your blueprint, and it's going to get the result I want because you've done this. You've mastered this. This you're black belt in this. I was like, I'm going to do the same thing on the business side. I'm not going to hope you get hope you figure it out. I'm not going to leave it to you to, to figure it out. I'm going to give you one thing a day to do. It'll probably take you about an hour. I'm going to give you your daily workout each day. And, um, and so that's how I've been doing it one day, one little text message at a time. And I'm like his business trainer, the way he's my personal trainer. So it's been kind of interesting to see how that's, well, that's worked. And that's been pretty effective to be honest. I'm eager to see if you regret this or not, he'll pull it off. It's going to be at least mildly successful because he's got a massive head start because we're going to be talking about it. But and I told him, to I was like, if- dude, I'm not going to give up on you. I was like, if. I was like, you would have, you could have given up on me and been like, dude, this guy's not, this guy. Are you paying him still? Yeah, I pay him. But like, you know, so there's obviously a little difference there, but like there's a difference between you show up and do the job or you go the extra mile. He goes way the extra mile with me. So like, you know, uh, my kids are raging out. He'll be holding one of my kids so I can get the workout in while he's training me. Or like he'll come in on an off day and just make the gym better. Just, just a surprise and be like, look. I want your environment to be dope because you're going to just get that extra five to 10% juice enjoying your environment. And you know, a trainer doesn't have to do all that. They don't have to come and rearrange your gym and, and take help you with your kids or show up, you know, stay for two hours extra because whatever, you know, that sort of stuff. So I've got this friend named Nick Gray. Do you know who Nick Gray is? He's the uh, party guy. <laughs> so Nick Gray is my Great good friend. friend. He, yeah. He started a thing called museum hack where he took, he had another company that like, made parts for private planes or something like that that he sold and then he started a thing called museum hack which was private tours and museums he sold that now he's got a new thing called the two-hour cocktail party it's a book on cocktail parties and how to host the perfect cocktail party it's honestly quite good i use his techniques he's doing this new thing that he just showed me where whenever he goes to a bar or a restaurant or a museum or anything he takes a picture of the food or the the, the front of the building and he reviews it, but can you see the, go to the MDB link I, I have in there. Look at what he does. So he posts uh, a review of the place, but he puts his book in the picture. And he's, been, <laughs> and he's been testing this. And over the past couple months, his photos, there's like analytics on it. They have 2 million views on his pictures. And this guy, Nick, he's crazy. So he just tweeted out this thing. He goes, I'm going to host a conference for all my ex-girlfriends. He's got a lot of ex-girlfriends because he dates a lot. And he's very charming. And so girls love him. But he's really nice. And so he stays friends with all of his ex-girlfriends. One time, this guy, for his 40th birthday party, he rented out a, a water park. And there was like 30 of us. And I swear to God, I'm not exaggerating. Four of the guests were his ex-girlfriends. And they were all <laughs> hanging out together. And he's like, I'm going to. So this guy's crazy. But look at this. Can you see the link to his Google? His this Google is reviews? so funny. This is the funniest growth hack I've seen in a long time. So he has a blog post Do you think this is out. effective? I would never do something like this. He's got this blog post coming out tomorrow or the next day. And it's I, I think if you just Google Nick Gray, G-R-A-Y, you'll see the blog post. I, I don't know the name of his website. It's probably just nickgray.com. 
Uh, and he's going to like reveal the results, but I, he was showing me this. I was like, Nick, wait, I, I was just out to eat with him the other day. And he was, and he had his book with him. He pulled it out of his bag and he was taking a picture. I go, what are you doing? He goes, check this out. And he showed me his Google reviews. He goes, they have analytics on this, that my video, my, uh, photos in the last couple months have gotten two, 1.8 million views, 1.9 million views. Is this hilarious or what? That's so funny. That's, this is such a funny and it's, it reminds me of somebody, the story is better than the actual growth hack. So Somebody told, said this about um, Pinterest, too. They go, yeah, Pinterest, man, they were such grinders. I remember they used to go into the Apple stores and change all the default um, default homepages to Pinterest.com on the Macs that are sitting on the table. Yeah, and who knows if that works or I'm not. I'm like, dude, this guy's spending hours driving to Apple stores to try to get, like, five impressions on his website and think that somebody's going to be like, huh, you know, I went there for an iPhone. But you know what I really want to do? What was that website I saw on the demo computer? I'm going to go sign up and make an account and become a daily active user. That, like, that doesn't happen. But the story, the hustle story is makes it worth it. And I've done I've done several of those where the hustle Dude, story got re- makes it sound like you were going to the nth degree, even though it made zero sense to do so. He has reviews of everything. There's one of Panda Express, of Lululemon of charlie subs vans the store any store that he goes to he's taking this really good picture of like the front like there's a great american cookies it looks like it's just like an annie ann's in the mall he takes a picture of the front and just has his book in his hand there's this guy on yelp that sarah and i follow because he has his he like tests all the good food places in new york and san francisco and he had a newborn when he started doing it and all the pictures were of his newborn eating the food. And then it was like, you see the baby get like one year old, two year old, three year old. And I start like getting to know this kid. And we're always right. like, look, that guy's been there. And it's actually an interesting hack that I think could actually, I don't know if it, this one will work, but there's like these weird personalities that I've seen on Yelp and on Google reviews where I start to get to know them and I trust <laughs> the reviews. And it's actually a really fascinating platform to hack. And I wanted to bring that up because I've never really seen uh, like insights like this. And I think it's incredibly fascinating. Yeah, that's super cool. Do you know what I'm doing right after the top of the hour? Yeah, you have. Uh, <laughs> can you talk? You want to announce it? What, what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how did you do this, by the way? How did you pull this off? All right. So, we have this guy named Michael Harris, nicknamed Harry O. I don't know. I'm going to interview him and find out his story. So, I don't want to like reveal his whole story because I don't know the whole thing. But basically, he's one of the co founders of Death Row Records. And when I sometimes Sarah and I, my wife, we volunteer in prisons and we work with this thing called the last mile. I've told you about the last mile. My friend Chris, he's a tech guy, started it. It basically helps teach inmates how to do tech stuff. So hopefully they can get a job once they let out. Well, a lot of those people are like convicted murderers. It's, it's wild. And through that, I met Michael and he basically went to prison for 30 years at the in his 20s and before that, he made up to a million dollars a day selling crack and cocaine, I think, and helped discover Denzel Washington and sponsored or funded uh, Broadway plays and things like that and parlayed that into music and thus created Death Row Records with Suge Knight. And he has all these stories about Snoop, Dre, Tupac. <laughs> so we're going to talk to him uh, uh, and figure out his story. Are you a little bit intimidated to have this conversation? Incredibly, because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. You're not like the big a big pop culture guy, but like basically like there's, you know, he's a girl. Me? He's, he's I am pop culture. Dude, you didn't know who Dolly Parton was. <laughs> but basically like I, there's a lot of like, I read a book about Eazy-E and Eazy-E and Dre and Death Row had a beef. And I don't know like 
where that stands and like if I can say who I'm a fan of and who I'm not a fan of. So I'm a little nervous because this guy, <laughs> it's not like our friends or our enemies on Twitter where we're just going to argue. Of course, this guy will never do anything bad, but like. You know, like that's it's a little bit more real. He's more capable for sure. Don't make the mistake of um don't make the mistake of like referencing somebody by first name if you don't know them. They'll be like, Yeah, I was reading about ease and uh is it ease? Yeah, easy, but uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to seem cool here. <laughs> it's like when people yeah, so- they say they're coming to visit the Bay Area and they go, Hey, I'm gonna be in San Fran this week and I just have to tell them I say, Hey man, listen, just as a friend. Nobody says San Fran here. So you're just outing yourself as a tourist as soon as you say that. I, that's how I feel. So I feel <laughs> I want to be respectful. Um, and I, But I also want to, like, let them know that, like, you know, I've listened to all this music. I've read all, a lot of books about it. But purely from an academic standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm like saying? like brothers from two way different mothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like that's, yeah. So it feels like a little funky, but like I was talking to him the other day because the reason I got in touch with him is he, he wants to like launch some podcasts or, or he's brainstorming and he asked to talk to me and I said, yeah. And he starts talking and I'm like, hey, you realize that like when you're talking to me about this drug trade and things like that, like you talk about delegation and empowering your coworkers and things like that. Like right. this is business stuff. Do you want to come on the pod? And so I thought it'd be cool. Yeah. We've had people who've made the, you know, originally this podcast called my first million, because it was let's interview people who've made a million bucks in many different ways. So I interviewed, you know, a business person, then I interviewed a poker player and then somebody who made it through selling, um, you know, weighted blankets online and somebody who made it doing, you know, deodorant, somebody made it doing, 1-800-GOT-JUNK and like a whole bunch of different things. But now we have somebody who who did it in uh, in some other, some new ways, selling crack cocaine, uh, record label, and who knows what else. That's, I think it's going to be amazing. I'm joking around just because I know if I was in your position, I would feel a little squirmy uh, going into it. Like, just like, how do I not say something stupid? Like, I know this could be great. This, this is when things are, are tough. It's when you know it could be great, but you also know it could easily go not great if you don't build rapport or you don't really know how to guide the the conversation properly because it's not your standard interview, right? Like if we brought somebody on who built a SaaS company to, you know, $20 million, we'd be like, cool, I know the same, I know 20 questions to ask you that are all safe. You're going to give me 20 answers that are all safe. And um, I know exactly how the conversation is going to go. And it, it really can't go anywhere that's out of my comfort zone in terms of a question or a, or a topic to talk about. Whereas this one's going to be, you know, the zip code is out of your comfort zone. So you're, you're not going to, I, I know how I would feel going into that interview. That's why I, I, I wanted you to, I wanted you to come um, because I thought it'd be fun since you are, you're, you're even a few more zip codes away than I am. Are, <laughs> yeah, are you sure? Exactly. <laughs> are you sure you can't make it? You should. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Death row records. Names a bit crude don't you think (laughs) 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 do you ever think of something softer like milk road for example no um yeah unfortunately i got another thing scheduled at that time but um um, all right that's the pod by the way the gentleman's agreement is working by the way i went to a party with a bunch of 23 year olds sounds a lot worse than it is a friend turned 23 he asked me to go i went uh, jeffrey's party uh, on an island yeah (laughs) yeah 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 it was at like the lolita like taco (laughs) (laughs) taco place no uh he, I had so many people come up to me and said, hey, by the way, I honored the gentleman's agreement. That's because the show, we have this thing called the gentleman's agreement. We make this content for free. And um, 
but it's not actually free to listen. In exchange, you got to go subscribe to our YouTube and it's working. We're getting like 800 to 1,000 new YouTube subscribers a day. So yeah, this basically three X the number of daily subscribers we were getting on our YouTube channel. Who that's that's, thought that that's the everyone told us to do this the whole time. And we we're like, you're an idiot. They'll no one <laughs> follows that. Yeah, we also we, we kind of yeah, we say it a lot now. But for like two years, we never told anybody to do anything. So we're just kind of we're due. Yeah, we're due.